Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. My name's Ryan. And I'm Rosie. How are you doing, Rosie? Um, busy. Yeah. We are planning a surprise party for your mom, because she's retiring. Yeah. Also got the lawn mowed, your oil changed, which they do not make it easy on the Jeep Renegade mm-hmm. to get to the oil, the oil plug and filter. You have to take off this uh, metal plate, and there's three different sizes of screw heads to get it off, but... Anyway, otherwise... Otherwise, good. Just busy. Again, your party, mom's party, is going to be in two hours from now. So I'm slightly freaking out. <laughs> Why? Because I want to get these balloons up. Oh, gotcha. Well, I guess we should just jump into it then, huh? Sounds good. Real quick, before we get started, we want to shout out our new patron, Emily. Yay, Emily! Thank you so much, Emily, for your support. We really appreciate you. Yes, we do. All right. Tonight's story begins with a 911 call at 5 a.m. on June 5th, 2018. So just over two years ago. A woman living in Kenosha, Wisconsin, called to report a house on fire on the corner of 14th Avenue and 78th Street. And this was just a block off of Sheridan Avenue, which runs along the coast of Lake Michigan in Kenosha. And for reference, Kenosha is... Like, just under an hour south of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So, they're on the eastern coast of Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. less than 15 minutes north of the Illinois border. Got it. The house was a small, tan, ranch-style home on a corner. Within two minutes of the call, Kenosha police arrived at the scene. And when they went inside, they made a disturbing discovery. So, just be warned, this part is gross. So, if you want to skip ahead, now's the time. They found a body of a man slumped over on the ground, badly charred. So, a strange discovery, but it wasn't the first time police were called to this home. On February 12, 2018, just four months earlier, dispatchers received a call about a runaway child. We'll talk more about that situation later. But the owner of the home was a 34-year-old man named Randall Philip Volar III. But he just went by the name Randy, so that's what we'll call him. Investigators searched the scorched remains of the home for evidence and found alcohol bottles scattered on the floor, a pizza box in the fridge, and several hotel keys. This seems like a bachelor. Yeah. They questioned neighbors in the, air, in the area who said that there was typically a BMW car parked in Randy's driveway, but it wasn't there now. So... Maybe he was a victim of a robbery gone very wrong. That would be their first thought. plausible. The next day, an abandoned BMW was found in the Milwaukee area near the Harley-Davidson Museum at the corner of West Canal and South 6th Street. It was registered to Randy Voller. Mm -hmm. And so this car was like almost an hour away. So... Hmm. Inside the car, they found a cell phone and a receipt from the family dollar store, along with empty packaging from certain items bought there. Police visited the store and asked for the security footage from the time on the receipt. They found the purchase was made by four kids, one girl and three boys. They also found pictures on the cell phone in the car of the four kids. So while these things were being discovered, they were also looking into Randy for more clues about what happened. Mm -hmm. They requested Randy's credit card records and found that the night before the fire, he used his card to pay for an Uber transaction. They contacted Uber 
and found that it was a trip from Milwaukee to the house that he was found in. After this, they got in contact with the specific Uber driver who had completed the trip and questioned him about it. He said that he had given a ride to a, quote, short black girl named Crystal. And they also found a connection between this Uber trip and the kids who had taken Randy's car. Right. The pickup address on the trip matched the address of a 16-year-old boy, as well as his sister, 17-year-old Crystal Kaiser. So now the dots are starting to connect. Uh, The Uber driver gave a girl named Crystal a ride, and one of the girls who was found in the car, her name was Crystal. So there's a connection there. But why did Randy pay for Crystal's trip to his home in the first place? Right. Obviously, this wasn't a random robbery. Police looked into the social media of Crystal Kaiser, who was the girl that had apparently been at Randy's home that night based on the Uber trip. Around midnight the day of the fire, Crystal had posted a photo on Facebook of her standing inside Randy Voller's home with the caption, My Mugshot. So... That seems really suspicious. That seems really suspicious or super ironic. Yeah. It makes it seem like this whole situation was premeditated. Well, besides that, they also realized that Crystal Kaiser had been in jail before and were able to match her mugshot to this Facebook photo. Police quietly began monitoring her Facebook page in the days following the fire. And three days later, on June 8th, 2018... Crystal started a Facebook Live video. It's our anniversary. (laughs) That's what I was thinking, too. Unfortunately, I looked for it, but the video has since been removed, and I can't find it anywhere. But we'll share what was reported about it. So according to the police detective who was watching the live stream, Crystal was talking about giving her brother a BMW, showing off a gun, and talking about shooting a white dude. The detective also claims that she said she wasn't afraid to kill again. While she was filming this live video, her boyfriend, 20-year-old Delane Nelson, interrupted her and told her to stop talking about that on Facebook. Then, according to him, she said she didn't want to shoot anyone else. So, there's some conflicting accounts of the Facebook video. According to Delane, he said that she didn't want to shoot anyone else, but... Apparently, the officer who was watching, or the detective, said that she wasn't afraid to shoot again. So, we don't know either way because, again, I wasn't able to find the video. Right. But so. she did, for sure, like, show off a gun and talked about the BMW. Yeah. So and like her there. boyfriend had to tell her to stop talking. Yeah. Hmm. The next morning, police showed up at Delane Nelson's home, where Crystal was staying, and smashed the front door open with a battering ram. Now that, to me, seems a little much. Yeah. They found Crystal inside wearing a shower cap. She was placed under arrest, and they restrained her with zip ties. Why? Were they out of handcuffs? I think that's something they do, like, to be less aggressive, maybe. Mm. I don't know. The charges were first-degree murder and arson. She was put in jail, and her bail was set to $1 million. So it seemed like a pretty simple case at first. Um, just a apparently robbery and murder by some seemingly crazy kid. But when Crystal was interviewed and more investigation was done, it became apparent that this was much more complicated than... Just that simple murder and robbery. But first, before we get into that, we're going to talk about who Crystal was. All right. Crystal Kaiser was born to Devore Taylor in Gary, Indiana, sometime in early to mid-2000. Devore was only 16 years old when Crystal was born and tried to support herself and her daughter working at fast food restaurants. As Crystal grew up, It became obvious that she was very creative and a very artistic person. She was inspired by cartoons that she watched and loved to draw her own creations. Very cool. In junior high, she earned a spot in Gary's Performing Arts Academy and chose to study the orchestral violin. That's a really cool choice. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, But by this time, DeVore Taylor 
had four children in total and a boyfriend that she was apparently supporting. And mm-hmm. we also just want to mention, we're not completely positive on the pronunciation of her name, but... We did look it up. We looked it up, <laughs> and Devor is what we found, so... Um, forgive us if we get it wrong. But, you know, Crystal's wanting to study violin, but decent violins are ridiculously expensive. And Devor couldn't really afford to buy Crystal a violin. But Crystal was very passionate about it, so Devor financed it with $100 down and then made monthly payments on it. Very nice. So it was something she really wanted to support her daughter doing. Yeah, and it really became part of Crystal's identity. She practiced the violin as much as she possibly could, trying to learn Beethoven compositions, which sounds insanely difficult to me. And Crystal loved the violin because it was just the right size for her hands, which she believed were too small for guitar. Well, like, even, you know, basic violin playing is really difficult because Mm -hmm. there's no fret, so you have to have your ear tuned really well and know your finger positioning really well. So, like, I have a lot of respect for classical instrument players, but... Learning all this, it makes you wonder what the heck happened mm-hmm. where she ended up in this spot where she apparently murdered someone. So um, there were other factors of Crystal's family life at home growing up. Um, her life was getting more and more difficult as she grew up. Devor's boyfriend started becoming violent. And Crystal says he would violently punish them, way beyond acceptable punishment. It got so bad sometimes that she and her siblings would hide in their bedroom and call the police. They would show up and they would just ask him to leave, which he did at the time, but he'd always come back after the police were gone. Yeah, so they didn't really do anything that was permanent to get him to go away. Right. And this, the way this works will play a role in the future. Well, Devore saw how badly this was affecting her children. At the end of 2015, she took all her kids and left almost everything they owned behind in Indiana to start a new life away from their abusive, from her abusive boyfriend. So sad that she actually had to run away and she couldn't get protection. Right, but also I give her props for doing this because even though I just read it, in one sentence, it took so much time and energy for her to be able to do that. That's a really good point. Um, so now we're getting a bit of a picture painted of who this girl was, but it gets even more complicated. The family fled to the Milwaukee, where they stayed at the Salvation Army shelter for a few months. Eventually, DeVore was able to get a job at Denny's, and they even found an apartment. But the constant unrest was really hard for the kids and their struggle started to manifest in their behavior. Crystal started skipping school and hanging out with a boy named Delane Nelson, who was three years older than her. And as we mentioned before, this was her boyfriend. Crystal's brother also started getting into trouble, stealing cars while his mom was at work. That's a, that's bad. Yeah, I'd say that's trouble right there. And sorry about the noise of the bag crinkling. Zook is slowly laying down on a, plastic bag right now. Every time we make a mistake and Ryan has to edit something out quick, I start blowing balloons and Zook's on the bag that I'm getting the balloons from. So Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, all, it's all part of we the show. We gotta have it ready for my mom. <laughs> Things weren't smooth sailing between Crystal and her boyfriend. They actually got into a lot of physical fights. So this next part has some physical abuse, so be aware of that. It is disturbing. At one point, someone had seen Delaine Nelson holding Crystal in a headlock, dragging her through a parking lot, and hitting her with a stick at least ten times. He was reported, arrested, and charged with battery after this incident. So this is really extreme. And really public. They're in a parking lot? I'm surprised he has that much confidence to do that in a parking lot. I know. But then again, like... Remember the family we saw when we were getting tacos? Oh, yeah. They were just chewing out their poor kid in public while they were 
smoking and being really loud, complaining about people. Mm-hmm. It was like this poor kid. They were like really mean to him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is a lot of people don't really think about how others are perceiving them. True. When they're in the heat of the moment like this, whatever led to this crazy violent abuse, you know, he wasn't thinking clearly. Right. Well, Crystal did stay with Delane, um, but in the fall of 2016, she met a man who told her that she deserved better, and this man's name was Randy Voller. And Crystal was in a tough spot in her relationship and in her family life, and she was seeking work on Backpage.com. She needed money for school supplies and food, and a friend of hers told her that she could make good money on the site and showed her how to use it. Crystal created a profile for herself, and although she was only 16, she said she was 19 in the ad. Which, if she's in a really desperate spot financially and has no one else to fall back on besides her abusive boyfriend, I mean, I see why she'd lie about her age, because Backpage probably wouldn't allow minors to post ads on their site. Um, And they're, I mean, Backpage has since been shut down because they were used for more than just prostitution. Mm-hmm. They were basically helping facilitate trafficking rings and stuff like that. So they were already struggling to stay afloat. So they couldn't have some kind of minor scandal going on. Um, but obviously I'm not defending when minors lie about their age. I'm just saying I can understand why she did. Because she had a really, she was in a really difficult spot. You know, no one else to really take care of her. But we'll actually be covering a case in the future on the topic of minors lying about their age. Mm. But um, anyways, back to this. We're we're starting to see that she did have a connection to Randy Volar. It wasn't a random mm-hmm. encounter. In fact, the first person to respond to Crystal's ad was Randy Volar. At first, Crystal was apprehensive about meeting him. But after some prodding, she agreed to meet him at a bus stop. He was very charming and showered her with compliments in a way that she just wasn't accustomed to. Crystal enjoyed the positive attention, and they began seeing each other often, about once every other week. And when he took her on dates, he let her order really expensive meals, whatever she wanted. She would get steak dinners, which is really expensive when you're out to eat. And he also bought her a cell phone and a heart-shaped locket, and even let her borrow his cars. He would take her shopping and give her up to $500 per shopping trip to split with her sisters. Like, he was doing a lot to charm her. But all the while, she had to lie to her mom about where she was getting all this stuff, because where does a teenager get this kind of money Mm -hmm. or cars? I'm not sure what she told her mom, but I'm guessing a friend or something but of course all these gifts and charm didn't come without a cost to her right randy volar expected regular sex from her in return of all these gifts and crystal felt indebted to him and isolated by him he was the only friend that she had at the time and if you're like me it may be bugging you that he thinks she's 19 when she's really 16 But Crystal says that in the summer of 2017, he specifically invited her over to his home to celebrate her 17th birthday. Oh, so she did tell him eventually. Yeah. Crystal says that he bought her cupcakes to celebrate, but then surprised her with a more unorthodox birthday event. He told her he wanted her to try a drug called acid. Well, that would be an unorthodox. 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 Way to celebrate a 17th birthday. Yeah. A few weeks after the birthday party, Crystal was driving a car that her brother had reportedly stolen, and the Milwaukee police tried to pull her over, but she sped to get away and then got out of the car and ran. All very bad choices. Mm -hmm. They eventually apprehended her and charged her with fleeing from an officer. In in Wisconsin, 17-year-olds are charged as adults for some reason, which makes absolutely no sense to me. It's like, why have 18 be the legal adult age if it doesn't mean anything in this situation? Mm -hmm. But she was charged and put in jail 
where she spent 55 days. Wow. Until her bond was finally reduced low enough. It was reduced to $400, where Randy Volar showed up and paid it. But, of course, he wasn't going to bail her out without expecting something in return. I just want to take a minute to think about how sad that is for Crystal. A 17-year-old girl literally had no one else at this time. She was really lost and alone. Mm -hmm. So much so that a strange man had to pay her bail bond. I know. I wonder where her mom was at this time. And it's also probably his fault that she's there because I would guess that she was probably under the influence of LSD when she made these decisions to drive away from the cops. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Hmm. It's crazy. After he paid her bond, Randy asked her to perform some certain sexual acts for him that were way beyond her comfort level. And she even told him that she would never do it. But then he told her that she owed it to him. Which is never Gross. the case. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many gifts you give someone, they never owe you sexual favors. But hmm. now we're starting to see... His manipulation, you mm-hmm. know, he is grooming her. Crystal started trying to cut him out of her life and even ended up moving back in with her ex-boyfriend, Delaine Nelson. And remember, he previously had been abusive to her. And this was apparently very upsetting to her mother. Crystal told Randy that she wanted to have a serious relationship with Delaine and couldn't see him anymore. She says that when Randy heard this, he was enraged and started threatening her with violence. Yeah, and said that she says that he told her if she stopped talking to him, he would kill her. But uh, she was too embarrassed by the whole situation to confide in anyone or call the police. Mm. And like I mentioned earlier when we were talking about her childhood, when she would call the police and they wouldn't do anything, well, a big part of her not calling the police in situations like this when she was older is because... She tried calling the police so many times in her past on her mother's boyfriend, and they never did anything permanent to help them. Yeah. And so I can totally understand her reasoning for not calling them. Mm -hmm. As if they did the same thing with Randy that they did with her mom's boyfriend, just telling him to leave but not enforcing any type of protection, then that would probably just piss off Randy even more, and he may actually follow through on his threats. And again... This is all based on what Crystal said about the relationship, but as we go on, we'll talk about more info that came out which really supports what she's saying here. Remember, we mentioned earlier that police, they remembered Randy's home from a call a few months before they found him dead? Mm-hmm. On February 12th, 2018, police dispatchers received a call just before 1 a.m. from Randy Voller's home. It was a 15-year-old girl telling them that Randy had given her drugs and that he was going to kill her. She hung up before they could get any more information. On their way to the home, they found the girl wandering the streets, wearing an unzipped jacket and a bra with no shirt. Yeah, and just to make it clear, this was not Crystal. This was another girl, anonymous. Who's 15. 15 years old. But right away they noticed that her pupils were dilated, and when they asked what drugs she had taken, she told them it was LSD. Mm. So, seems like a standard practice at the Volar household. Yeah, it does. And this girl told them that she had met Randy Volar the same way that Crystal had. He responded to her ad on Backpage.com. She was only 14 when she met Randy Volar and he paid her $250 for sex. He began regularly hooking up with her. Again, she would also have um, have had to lie about her age to post on Backpage.com, but this other girl told police that uh, he had gone on a rant about why he preferred the bodies of young girls like her after she asked him why he didn't date women his own age. Hmm. So he could have just meant young girls like 18 or 19, but it seems like this girl was pretty sure that he knew she was only 14. And based on more evidence they'll uncover, he knew what he was doing. Right. In December of 2017, this girl ran away from home and moved in with Randy Volar. 
he actually paid her to stay there and even took her out to dinner with his mother. Which, it seems more odd to me that she went to dinner with his mother than that he paid her, because... Wouldn't mom have a... Yeah, what is mom thinking... Maternal instinct? ...with this 14-year-old? So, really odd relationship. While investigators interviewed her after the escape, she showed signs of trauma bonding. Which sounds a lot like what one of our listeners, Lindsay, messaged us about this past week, um, where an abusive situation begins to almost feel comfortable and like a form of security. Mm. So it's a really scary phenomenon to have happen in the brain of a victim. And I'm thinking we'll do a more in-depth episode on that in the future. Yeah, I think we should. But for this girl, she didn't want to get Randy in trouble because he was usually very nice to her, and she actually called him her friend. According to this girl, Randy had shown her videos of himself sexually abusing underage girls. She said that he would peruse the streets of Milwaukee to find young girls. When they asked if she remembered any of their names, one of the three names she recall she could recall was Crystal. So, three other names besides this girl. This guy... He has a pattern going here. He's not just simply in a relationship with Crystal or taking advantage of Crystal or this um, anonymous girl. This is a standard practice. And apparently he would video recording it as well. So this is really, you know, the charges against him are really adding up. After interviewing her, they raided his home on February 22nd, 2018. They collected his laptops, hard drives, and memory cards to search for evidence of these allegations, as well as a lot of women's underwear, bikini bottoms, and pajamas that he kept at his home. He was arrested and charged with child enticement, using a computer to facilitate a child sex crime, and second-degree sexual assault of a child. So seemed at this point like Randy was going to be held responsible for taking advantage of young girls the way he did. And they found a lot of evidence against him. Um, But for some reason, rather than taking him into jail and setting a bail for him and holding him until trial, he was released the same day he was arrested and told to expect a court summons. What? So... Yeah, what the heck? Why was Crystal held in jail for 55 days with a bail bond for a much less serious crime, but the man who sexually abused her and forced her to take drugs was able to walk free until his court hearing? They're just like, well, you'll hear from us. Yeah, that it doesn't make any sense, but seems like there's a lot of stuff going on lately that doesn't. (laughs) Anyway, anywhere. Very true, but. Like, if I was this random girl who, you know, was threatened and Mm -hmm. abused by him or any other one of his victims, it would crush me to hear this. Right. That he was just like, okay, you'll be hearing from us. Like, all of these charges, these are serious charges. But we better keep going. Randy Volar prepared for his court summons by spending... $20,000 on a solid criminal defense lawyer. But for some reason, it took three months for his case to be sent to the district attorney's office, containing the evidence against him to prosecute him. He must make a lot of money to be able to pay for all this stuff. I guess later we'll find out where he's getting it from. But I don't know why it would take three months to get this evidence ready, to at least hold him in jail. Mm -hmm. But I guess... Police investigators are probably never just working on one case. Right, yeah. you have to remember that. But, I mean, the evidence against him was pretty substantial. <laughs> to say the least. They found hundreds of videos on his devices of child pornography, with girls estimated to be as young as 12 years old. And this wasn't just stuff he downloaded. This was pornography, child pornography that he produced mm. himself. But... Despite the overwhelming evidence and obviously solid case against him, 12 days passed from the time the district attorney received the evidence to the time that Randy was found dead. 
Yeah, so it could have saved his life for him to be in jail. But even though these charges were obviously, you know, he should have been arrested and charged, he wasn't. Um, and, I mean, no sex crime case was even entered into the Wisconsin court system at this point. That's you know, crazy. There was no paper trail of his crime besides a police report from this runaway and even in the police report, they said that she was prostituting herself. Really? That was the wording in the police report, according to, I think, Washington Post. Hmm. But, I mean, it just shows the perspective they had on this, like right. blaming the victim. Right. But they didn't seem to be in much of a rush to get this man off the streets, even though he was obviously dangerous. And we all know the gears of justice turned slowly, but... He had reportedly made death threats to his victims, and now he knows that some of them are speaking out against him, and he's free. He's a free man who has the ability to act on his threats if he wants to, mm-hmm. you know? It just doesn't make any sense. I know. But that could give some context to the situation Crystal found herself in after that Uber ride to Randy's home. You know, he was probably mad that he was being exposed, and definitely had a motive for wanting to get rid of people who would talk. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that later. A lot more information about Crystal's experience with Randy Volar came out after the raid on his home. Suspicion started to grow within Crystal Kaiser's defense team that Randy Volar had more involvement in sex trafficking than just buying sex from underage girls. They found dark web browsers on his computers, as well as cryptocurrency accounts. So this raised suspicion because he was obviously doing something he was trying to hide from his internet service provider if he was using these tools. And given all the evidence and his collection of child porn, it was a safe assumption that he was producing and selling his collection of videos on the dark web and getting paid through cryptocurrency to avoid leaving a paper trail, which would explain how he can afford to pay these girls so much and you know twenty thousand dollars for a lawyer but these allegations made their way into crystal's defense in her murder murder trial mm-hmm. which i mean it it's substantial this is a huge thing crystal's defense lawyer told the judge that within the many child porn videos that he filmed he referred to himself as an escort trainer just it's so gross He was seen instructing a young girl how to keep her private parts functioning well to be a, quote, better prostitute. And he even filmed himself asking a young girl if she wanted to try posting in the Kenosha Racine area to see if she got any calls there, which is, you know, close to Milwaukee, but -hmm. not quite. Um, And then offering to give her a ride if she could get any jobs. So... To me, it's pretty obvious this guy was a sex trafficking pimp of underage girls who clearly took advantage of them in desperate situations, and Crystal Kreiser was just one of many. Mm -hmm. In interviews with the Washington Post, Crystal said Randy began posting ads on Backpage.com for her, then driving her to the Johns, where she'd spend 30 minutes with the strange men, then text him once she was paid. Randy would take all the money for himself. Sometimes, Crystal would be required to meet more than one man in a day. When they asked her why she kept doing it, she said, Because he was grown up and I wasn't, so I listened. In the raid, police also found multiple hotel key cards. The TCF bank also happened to contact police the day he died to report a flag on his accounts. Yeah, this part was really ironic. Between November of 2017 and May of 2018, Randy had almost $1.5 million in transfers that followed a pattern that banks associate with human trafficking. So this was very ironic. Like I mentioned, that the police received this call the day he was found. That is. Because the detective who took the call asked if someone had requested the information upon Randy's death. And the bank official said that they were just making a cold call and had no idea he was dead. But thanks to that call, investigators were able to connect the dots a lot quicker 
and then pull up Voller's file containing the still images of victims' faces that they had taken from the videos they found in the raid in February mm-hmm. that he still hadn't been charged for when he was killed. Hmm. Um, but the detective who got this call was able to find a picture of Crystal Kaiser within this collection of images. And she was smiling for the camera with her arms wrapped around her body and, you know, like she was auditioning for a part or something. Hmm. Very interesting. So now let's talk about the account that Crystal gave of the night Randy Voller died. Okay. Sometime in May of 2018, Crystal's boyfriend, Delane, who she was living with, began to worry that someone might be following her. His suspicions led to him buying her a pistol and giving her shooting lessons in his backyard. He asked her to carry it everywhere for protection. It's so ironic that he wants her to protect herself, and yet he was also abusive. You know? It's like he's very controlling. Mm-hmm. There's well, a lot of irony in this story. I know. I feel like I keep thinking from that song, isn't it ironic? Oh, uh, yeah. You know? There's a lot going on. But a few weeks later, on June 4th, 2018, tensions in their relationship rose again when she had to appear in court and plead guilty to a fleeing charge that she had gotten in 2017. And this is where she had run from the police. Right. Delane had gone with her to the court, and the escalated tensions of the day just led to them getting into a huge fight. She was worried that Delane would assault her again, so she texted Randy Volar to see if she could come over there to get away from Delane. No! How freaking sad to be <sighs> stuck between these two. Like, these are the only two people you have to fall back on, and yeah. they both suck. Uh, Randy seemed more than happy to let her come over. Well, I'm sure he was. But it's not clear whether she even knew that he had been raided and arrested in February. I don't think she did. But he knew that she was a loose <sighs> end with mm-hmm. more information that he didn't want to get out. So I would just keep that in mind. The Uber picked up Crystal at 8.42 p.m. When she got to his house, Randy said that he had delivery, pizza delivery on the way. They both had a cigarette while they waited, and Randy asked if she wanted a drink. Along with her drink, she says that he gave her a drug, and she began to feel weird. But, you know, she wasn't found until days later, so the drug wasn't still in her system. Um... So we can't say for sure what it was, but I would guess it was LSD, mm-hmm. like was his standard practice, like the other girl who had been rescued. Right. I'm assuming it was, too. Yeah. After this, Randy sat next to her and started to touch her leg. But Crystal moved away from him and told him that she didn't want to do that with him anymore. So she was at a point here where she was trying to change. You know, she was trying to have a real relationship with her boyfriend, even though... He's not the right person to do that with. But Randy was the only person she felt comfortable reaching out to at the time when she was fighting with Delane. But I'm sure from Randy's perspective, there's a reason he paid for her Uber to get to his house. And he was going to get something out of her that night. You know? Mm-hmm. That's the way he operated the whole time. Giving giving them something so he could say they're indebted to him. Right. And then add on top of that the fact that he knew his time was limited because there was a serious case being built with mounds of evidence against him just waiting to put him away for decades. Like, the charges he had could have led to 40 years in prison, which would have lasted until he was 74. So he's probably desperate at this point. So, Randy told her that she still owed him for bailing her out the year before and demanded the sex acts that he requested back then, the ones that she made it clear she was not comfortable with. At this point, Crystal says that she got up to move away from him, but she tripped and fell on the floor. Randy got on top of her, trying to pull down her pants, and she was trying to get away. She recalled that she was accustomed to wiggling out of these sorts of situations with her boyfriend, Elaine Nelson. She managed to get away, and the next next thing that she remembers was the loud pop of her gun going off and starting to panic, realizing what she had done. It's said that she's, like, accustomed to trying to struggle and get away from 
men when they're attacking her. Right. I I know. Like the way she said, like, I'm used to this, wiggling out of these situations. Yeah. But then, on the other coin, she just shot someone. After this, she poured a red liquor all over the house and then grabbed a wad of toilet paper, lit it on fire, and threw it onto the liquor. She then ran outside, taking a laptop and the car keys with her, got into Randy's car, and drove away. Crystal claims that Randy had planned to give her a laptop and a new car for her 18th birthday, and that's why she took them. So, a lot just happened. Um, But as we already discussed, Crystal was found and arrested and charged with murder. Mm -hmm. The prosecution against her asserted that the crime was premeditated. They argued that the evidence showed that it was her plan to murder him and steal his BMW. Crystal still maintains that she was defending herself and that he pinned her down when she tried to get away from him. She said, quote, I didn't intentionally try to do this. So, there's two different stories here, which we'll try to cover each side the best we can because no one was there that we can, you know, that has an unbiased account. But obviously, according to the law, she was a victim of statutory rape and sex trafficking. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about the fact that Randy Volar was a piece of scum. But the real question is, what really happened the night that she shot Randy Volar? Um, With all the available evidence, there's no way for us to know 100% for certain what happened or what either of their intentions were. And even Crystal herself admits that he shouldn't have died that night. She believes that now both her and Randy are victims in this situation. Mm. But it's a somewhat contentious case because there are people that believe that Crystal's lying and should be charged with murder. And to be fair, you know, there are a few reasons for that. So, Rosie, will you go over those? Sure. One reason is that Crystal wasn't able to recall how she got to her gun after being pinned down on the floor. Another reason is that she wasn't able to recall any of the names of the hotels that she was trafficked in or the names of the men that she met. And finally, when she was first questioned, she lied and said that she didn't know Randy Volar. Uh, I can... I mean, I can excuse things she can't remember... Because she was on LSD. He was dosing her. That is a very good point. With a drug that gives you delusions, hallucinations, paranoia. Just like a crazy mind-altering drug. Mm -hmm. So things she can't remember. I mean, I can totally understand that. Then, Crystal changed her story and said that she did know Randy, but she saw another woman shoot him. Also, there's the fact that she stole a car and a laptop... And burn the evidence after an act of self-defense. Yeah, so people will think it's weird that, you know, if it was really self-defense, why did you try to hide everything? Right, and why did no you steal need. something? Which is a fair question, but then again, remember her past with police. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was another piece of evidence that the prosecution against her has mentioned And the media has talked about it, Mm -hmm. but I'm not able to find any of the real evidence yet. It's just mentioned in the Washington Post articles. Right. But it was text messages that she had sent. And also the Facebook post from the night before. Remember? Oh, yeah. There was that, too. The prosecutor's case for this being premeditated stated that Crystal had sent her friend a Facebook message a few days before Randy's death saying quote I'm finna get a BMW and finna which I had to look up because I guess it's something the kids say these days means fixing to I'm guessing or you're going to yeah yeah Yeah. it's like I'm gonna her friend asked how and when and Crystal replied soon so this is a substantial hang-up it kind of makes it seem premeditated again. That part does, yeah. Just like the Facebook post of my mugshot. But then there were texts from the night 
as well. Right. Crystal was apparently texting two different people about where the key to the car was and how she had learned to start it. At 10.42, she texted, When you want me to do it, Bay." At 11.09 p.m., she said, None, but I'm finna do it right now, though. Sorry, I'm super bad text er, <laughs> reading these texts. I know. At 11.13 p.m., she said, I'm finna do it. At 12.03 a.m., she texted, Just order some pizza, some I'm, I'm a wait. It's just gonna splat everywhere. I looked it up on Google, and it's a pillow. I'm gonna wait until she asleep. So, I really don't know what she's saying here. I have, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. I, I would have had just as difficult of a time reading these as you did. <laughs> but um, it does sound a little suspicious, you know, when you want me to do it. And it's just gone splatter everywhere. Yeah, I... I like, I'm really confused about the pillow thing. Maybe that was a typo. Yeah, I have no idea. But this evidence isn't officially released. You mm -hmm. know, there's no screenshots of the messages. There's nothing like that. This is just based on what the prosecution said they found. Right. And then it was reported by Washington Post. So it's like a game of telephone mm -hmm. with this evidence. Hmm. Um. But then there was a voicemail as well. Right. Crystal left a voicemail for one of her friends bragging, saying, Oh boy, I did it. So this adds a new layer of complexity because there's a possibility that this was premeditated. But again, because of only being able to find these messages through the Washington Post and Fox News and then realizing it was just what the prosecution is saying, mm -hmm. it's hard to say how official this evidence is. Yeah. But um, it's substantial, I guess. But I have some thoughts on the evidence that they found at the home and her testimony. As many people feel that if it was genuinely self-defense, she wouldn't need to bring the evidence. And they also feel she would have reported it right away mm -hmm. and that she wouldn't have stolen the stuff. I can't justify her stealing the laptop, but with the car, I mean, she didn't have another way to get home because she had taken an Uber to get there and probably didn't have money to get one home. And then here was a car with keys sitting there, a free ride. And it could have been simply that she wasn't thinking clearly. If it really was self-defense, you know, she just needs to get away. Right. No, it does make sense. Um... But that leads me to the next biggest factor, factor I think many people overlook. Randy Volar was known to dose his victims with LSD, which can lead to delusions, paranoia, hallucinations, like I was talking about. It's very possible that this is why Crystal doesn't remember anything and why she made the decisions she made. You know, it, it could be why she doesn't remember getting the gun or even deciding to shoot it. You know, it's a very intense drug. It causes you to see things and believe things that aren't true. Yeah, I think you're right. I guess when I initially heard that she had taken a drug, I glossed over it. But the way you're explaining it, it does make sense. If you're under the influence of alcohol and you're able to get blackout drunk and not remember the things that you do, then why wouldn't you be like that with LSD, which seems yeah. a whole lot more effective and Well, in LSD... Yeah, LSD makes you trip. It makes you see things. Right. You know, that you fear. But then again, and those texts seemed like super iffy. Yeah, but what if she was sending those? I mean, she was sending those at his home mm -hmm. around the time of the murder. She was she was on LSD at that time, too. That does explain the pillow comment. And she explains the way that... Um, the BMW thing with that he was planning to give it to her for her 18th birthday, mm -hmm. which there's no proof of that, so we don't know for sure. But I do think that the LSD could have played a huge role in yeah. a lot of her decisions here. And we got to remember, 
this guy is a giant piece of crap. True. Yep. So I wouldn't ever justify murdering someone, but, you know, he's hurt her a lot. He's hurt a lot of other girls, and he's done one of the most disgusting things you can do to make money. So I'm not saying it was okay for him to get shot, obviously. Mm -hmm. No one should be executed or judged by anyone other than the justice system. Otherwise, it's not fair to everyone else who does follow with the justice system. Right. But, again, I don't know. It's impossible for anyone to know what actually happened here. Um, but it's an undeniable fact because both Crystal and that other anonymous girl said that he doses victims with LSD and they found it in that anonymous girl system. And then... Add on top of that the fact that he was desperate after having his home raided and having that case building against him, which could have led him to wanting to take what he believed was his and get what she he felt that she owed him, or even wanting to silence someone whose testimony may have led to more charges. You know? Either way, there's a lot of evidence that backs up Crystal's account, and so I'll say I definitely see how the drug and desperation factor may have played into this whole mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and we already talked about not contacting the police right away because she grew up in an abusive atmosphere and when she did contact police, the things they did to help were never permanent. It was always just a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. And she probably f- figured if she called the police, she'd be charged with murder Right. That I don't blame her at all because she was literally taught from her childhood that the police don't do anything. Yeah. They are pretty much useless and disposable to her. She might have thought that this wouldn't be able to trace back to her if she left and got far enough away. But it's also a possibility that in her mind, she was just escaping an abusive monster with her life because she still holds on to the fact that she was acting in self-defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also very possible, given the fact that he had so many reasons to silence her and his pattern of expecting things out of people when he gave them gifts. But then there's the other side of the coin. Obviously, if it wasn't self-defense and she was, she went there planning to take his life and his car, that's another story. Yes, he was her abuser and trafficker and did damage to her that was irreparable. And he needed to be held accountable for that. But if she did plan to kill him, I think she does need to be held accountable for that. Because there's a lot of people, you know, rallying for her and saying, just free her, let her go, don't charge her with anything because she was a victim. And I understand that, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm a bleeding heart for victims of abuse and I totally understand that but there's a lot of victims out there that don't murder their abusers you know so if this was her plan I don't think that that it would be fair to anyone else to not have some kind of repercussions you know I obviously think they should take in take the abuse into account Mm -hmm. and she should get a massive break because of that factor but I also you know I think people you know it's not okay for the cycle of abuse to continue just because you were abused as a child doesn't mean it's okay for you to, to abuse children in your future totally so you know that's the kind of logic I'm applying here but again I don't know what actually happened there it, she, it could have been just absolute self-defense, which would completely change that, which she shouldn't be held accountable for if she was actually just defending herself. But, you know, it's a complicated case, and I would never claim to know what should happen. But how about now? Where's Crystal? Well, Crystal's, Crystal Kaiser is currently awaiting trial, she was free as of June 21st, thanks to the funds raised by supporters to pay her bail. 
So she definitely has support from a substantial community, and I can't help but empathize with her no matter what the truth is because at the time she was a minor, she was sexually abused and trafficked by this man. Right. No one should ever forget that she was a victim of sexual abuse. Right. For a long time. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely, like, that should be on the top of people's minds here. In February 2020, Crystal was offered a plea deal, which she and her lawyers rejected. But then on June 8th, 2020, Crystal apparently wrote to the judge saying that she wants to accept the plea deal. Yeah, so this was shortly after she was um, bailed out, I believe. Mm -hmm. The plea deal would drop the first-degree intentional homicide charge and other charges in exchange for a guilty plea to felony murder and bail jumping. Crystal sent a handwritten letter addressing the deal saying, I would like to inform the courts that I want to take the plea deal that was offered to me by D.A. Michael Gravely. I am aware of the charges I'll be pleading to. I have had time to think about this, and I want to take the offer. I've told my lawyer about this, but I've only been shut down about it. So, regardless of what happened, this is part of the public record now. It seems that her lawyers don't want her to take the guilty plea, but she seems to want to just take it and be done with it. And I respect that she wants to take responsibility here, and hopefully it's a plea deal that takes into account all the aspects. Mm -hmm. But I really hope that, you know, she's not punished more than she needs to be. Like, I hope that they're giving her a fair deal here. And... Uh, I just think her desire to take the plea might say a lot about where she believes the evidence might head. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they will prove that it was premeditated. Hmm. But we'll see what happens, because the trial hasn't happened yet. We don't. She hasn't officially taken the plea deal as of right now. She's only sent letters to the judge against the wishes of her defense team, so... The case is still playing out, but I just, it's a really interesting story, and I hope that she's able to get the therapy that she needs and be able to, you know, still make something of her life after this all is dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Rosie? Well, I, I mean, I still honestly don't know if it was premeditated or not. I'm kind of torn in two because there are some real, I feel like there's some real evidence there that is saying that she did premeditate. Oh, yeah. But then absolutely. also when you put in account that like she had LSD in her system and she's also been groomed for a period of time mm-hmm. and he was very manipulative. So I feel like in the moment she could have been just in defense mode, self-defense mode. Oh, and, yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm glad that I... I'm not on the jury because I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Well, and the jury will hear a lot more evidence than we yeah. will. But yeah, you're right. Even if it was completely premeditated, she went there, planned to kill him and take his car. Her mind was still warped by years of abuse and drug use. Like LSD, super powerful drug. Even people that are pro LSD mm-hmm. know that no one under 18 should take it because. Yeah. Or even under 25. Like, if your brain is still developing, you should not be taking drugs like this. Even if, you know, people believe LSD is, you know, something people should do, they don't believe minors should do it. And so when she's been given LSD since she was 16 by this man, I mean, if LSD played a role in her doing this, he kind of did it to himself. Mm-hmm. In a weird roundabout way. Yeah, I guess you're right. And uh, it's just, again, I don't know. I'm just, we're just a couple of dumb kids. We don't know what what the right answer is here, but we just wanted to share the facts that we could find. And, you know, everyone can make up their own mind on it. And I completely understand why she has so many supporters that think that she should just walk free because she was a victim of sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. no matter what happened, you know? Right. But I'm not going to jump on a bandwagon 
and I'm not going to claim to know what should happen or make a call. I just wanted to share the story yeah. and acknowledge the fact that she was a victim of abuse and this guy was a monster. So. Nicely said. Thank you. Well, we got to go get ready for my mom's retirement party. <laughs> so we're going to cut it here. Which is going to be COVID friendly and outside and distance. Oh yeah, absolutely. But thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.